Wow, Memorial Day. I, I, I like the idea, the concept of, of taking time to appreciate those that have given their lives the ultimate sacrifice that you and I can sit here and proclaim the Word of God and worship without fear of what uh, anybody would come in and say or do. I love that. And I also love the fact that in Hebrews, the Bible tells us to uh, consider the cloud of witnesses that surround us. What, what he's saying is, considering those that have gone before you, that have, that have taken their lives and have given them, many of them gave their lives for the cause of Christ, that you and I could have this glorious salvation. Don't you love that? You know, and, it, and it's not just the New Testament, it's the Old Testament. You have Abraham, you have Isaac, Jacob, you have all of the patriarchs, the, the prophets, uh, some of the kings. All of the Old Testament is just replete with one person after another, male and female, that, that have surrendered their lives for the cause of the gospel that we now know. In the New Testament, it's the same way. One of the, one of the things that I, I really love, this is, this is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. Christ was crucified on the Passover, and he was buried for three days. Then the Scripture says he showed himself alive for about 40 days. And he, then he told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and stay there until you receive power from on high. They had no idea what that meant. But here's the amazing thing. Some seven days or so, they go to Jerusalem and they wait because the Lord told them to. We, are, we celebrate Pentecost, the birth of the church, because there were 120 souls, men and women, that, that decided that they would sacrifice, that they would give their allegiance to God. And now here we stand, part of the church, because 120 said, I'm all in. And, he's, and, and you say, well, why did they do that? I'm sure there are a variety of reasons, but I do know one thing about all 120. They were submitted to the authority of Christ. If they weren't submitted to the authority of Christ, they would not have gone. After all, there were, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And out of the 500 plus people, only 120 went. So it's important for us to understand on this day that, that being under the authority of Christ is essential for you and I. We're going to finish Psalm 103. We've been going through it since the beginning of the year. And in Psalm 103, he talks, uh, he begins to talk, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And we have talked about the word bless, meaning to, to kneel to his sovereignty, to surrender your will to his, to pledge your allegiance and, and your strength and everything that you have to the Lord. And he goes on to say, after he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, he says, And don't forget his benefits, and talks about the amazing benefits of serving God. Salvation blessing, healing, and he keeps going on and on and on about all the blessings that we have uh, to serve the Lord. And then it, from there, he talks about the reason why God does it. 
It's because he understands humanity, that we are mortal. He's immortal. We live in time, and he's atemporal, that, that we have a definite starting point, and, and, so I'm, and God is always been and always will be. And he looks at us, and he says, I have compassion on them. I don't know, it still amazes me that, that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that has always been, will always be, knows your name. In fact, the scripture says he knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the thoughts and intent of the heart. So when you're in the South and somebody says, bless your heart, and you know that's not what they really mean, God knows what they really mean. God knows everything. In fact, God knows more of what we mean in our inferences, in our references, and in our communication than we do ourselves. And yet he loves us. He goes on after he talks about, in Psalm 103, about how he relates to us. Then he talks about us relating to him. And he said, fear God and keep his commandments. And that's our responsibility is to, to bow our knee and, and surrender our will to him and, and to keep his commandments. And, and God's commandments are not grievous, but they are loving. They are kind. They are considerate of us. God never asks us to do anything that will hurt us. Everything that God wants us to do is to promote us into a relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? I, I love the fact that, that Christ sets us up, that, that he puts circumstances in our way and then encourages us to act on them, and, and then he helps us to act on them. And then when we act on them well, he gives us the, the credit and says, look what you did. God's so good to us. The psalmist at the end of Psalm 103 says this. He said, the Lord has prepared or established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Look, let's look at that for a moment. The Bible says that the Lord has prepared or established his throne. It, it simply means he is the one that created where he sits and governs. Nobody created it for him. Nobody is ever set on the throne that he has created. He is before all, and he is above all. There is nothing and no one that has ever had the power and the majesty and glory that God has. His throne is above all. He is the one that established it. He didn't assume the throne from somebody else. In book of Revelation, he says, when they get to heaven, and there's a throne in heaven. And he that is eternal is sitting on that throne. Do you realize that one day that you and I are going to get to stand face to face before God? Sometimes that scares people. So, to be honest, I'll be honest, sometimes it gives me pause. Most of the time, 
I'm really looking forward to it, to the one that loves me, the one that cared for me, the one that has secured my life, the one that keeps me every day. But God has established his own throne. He, no one made it. He created it. He is the one that established it, and he is the only one that can sit on the throne of his majesty. I, I love the fact that it, he didn't just establish it, but he established it in the heavens, far above everything else. On the highest of all places, God dwells. He oversees all. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 66, 1. He said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Who can build a house for me, says God. Isn't that amazing? We build buildings like this, but in reality, if the earth is his footstool, what can we build? What can we build in this life that it would bring glory and honor to God? He already owns everything. He's the creator of all things. It's amazing to me that, that God has chosen not to dwell in buildings, although you feel his presence. But he dwells in the smallest of places. He dwells in the hearts of humanity. That he dwells in us. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go away so the comforter can come because right now I'm with you, but then I'm going to be in you. God has chosen to take up his residence in the hearts of those that have surrendered their lives to him. Can you imagine when you feel the presence of God throughout the day? Do you ever consider the fact that what you're feeling is the very spirit of the of the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he is living in you. Does that boggle your mind? Does that, does that give you pause to realize that God that rules over all things, his throne is, is far above everything, the things in heaven, the things in the earth? Uh, God is supreme. God's sovereignty is, is pronounced. And yet he chose to live right here. I don't know about you, but that, that really un, that gets me. God, God establishes his, his throne in, in our lives, in our hearts, and, and he desires for each and every one of us to bring everything that's in our life into captivity under his authority. You say, well, why would he want me to do that? Because the more we bow our knee before him and we say, Lord, I pledge my life to you. I pledge my attitude. I pledge my convictions, everything in me. When we surrender, God takes our will and he builds something amazing in us. If you want to know what God is speaking to you and what God's will is for you, number one, read the Word of God. Two, submit to His authority. Because God 
will speak to you in a way you understand if you listen to his voice. It's been said that God does, isn't, his voice isn't in the commotion of this world. His voice is not in the thunderings of humanity, nor is it in, in, in the rumblings of, of, of culture, but it's in a still small voice that when we get alone with God, he begins to speak to us. Scripture says, My sheep know my voice. The Lord has a great desire to speak into each and every one of our lives. Sometimes it's just not him not speaking. It's just us not listening. Because we have so many things going on in life. And when we set those aside, God's voice is clear. I was speaking to Benita yesterday, uh, and I was recalling uh, a circumstance that I'd had in my own life. And, and when you go through something like that, like a heart attack or something where, where you have a crisis in your life, when, when the police call you and say your, da your daughter has been air flighted in, your job doesn't matter, church doesn't matter, nothing really matters at that moment. The only thing you're focused on is, God, I need you. And what the psalmist is trying to connect with us, trying to get us to understand, is that when we bow to the authority of Christ, that's when life really begins. Because he is Lord over all. Isaiah 45, 26. Three says this, he says, I have sworn by myself because there is nobody that God can swear by other than himself. The word has gone forth through my mouth in righteousness and it will not turn back that to me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. God is saying there is going to be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And yet we have this glorious opportunity right now to do it willingly. Romans 14, 11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. And you say, well, well what about those that hate God? What about those that despise God? There's going to be a day when the power of God will be displayed. And no matter how great we think we are, no matter how great the adversary thinks he is, no matter how great the devil thinks he is, there's going to be a day that the children of God get to see the adversary of our soul, the devil himself, bow his knee and say, you are Lord. I'm going to say that again. And one of these times, I'm going to get to my notes here in just a little bit. There's going to be a day when the one that entices you to pull against God, 
the one that keeps telling you that the things that you that that you want to do are okay the one that keeps telling you oh just keep following your own path chart your own course that one the one that that has tried to manipulate you the one that's tried to destroy your family tried to destroy your relationship with God tried to destroy your marriage tried to destroy your children that very same adversary of your soul and make no mistake about it the devil does not love one human being the devil hates humanity. He hates it because God loves you. And because God loves you, he hates you. And the greatest joy the adversary gets is when he can snatch one of, uh, of those from humanity and place their soul in hell. That's his goal. That's his job. That's his responsibility. That's what he lives for. That's every single moment of every single day. The adversary is out to get you, to destroy you, to take your relationship with God and twist it then push it and it's not because he loves you it's because he hates God and he hates you are you with me and yet we are going to get to see that one that we hate that's caused you so much grief the devil is going to bow his knee and say, you are Lord. And we're going to see it. Mm. All right, I'm going back to the notes. Philippians 2.10 tells us this. Paul talking to the church in Philippi, and, he, and, he, and he's trying to talk to the church then, and he, and. and vicariously he's speaking to us today and he's saying I want you to be like Christ and he said this is how you do it that and he says I want you to to put on Christ and he goes on to say in verse 10 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father the devil will bow. The fallen angels are going to bow. All humanity will bow. Atheists will bow. Everybody's going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we that have already bowed our knee will sing the praises of God through eternity. See, it's not about whether humanity will bow their knee. It's just, will you do it now or will you be forced to do it later? He goes on to say in this passage of Scripture, this is so amazing. He says, bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all, all his works in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul, angels that excel in strength, that do his bidding, obey his word. They're bowing before the sovereignty of God. Angels that, that are created to, for ministering spirits are bowing to the sovereignty of God. They obey the commands of God. The hosts, the armies of, of heaven, 
the, the servants that are doing and following God are obeying by bowing to his sovereignty. All his works, creation bows to the sovereignty of God. And then he ends, are you ready for this? Then he ends with this. He says everything is bowing to the sovereignty of God. At some point, everything's going to. But right now, all the angels in heaven are bowing to him. All the hosts of the armies in, of heaven are bowing to him. All the creation in heaven is bowing to him. All of, all of nature is bowing to him. And then he says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He said every other creation is already bowing. And then he makes this statement. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As Joshua did before the children of Israel. He said, choose whom this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The psalmist ends Psalm 103 with an exclamation, with a statement, of, a declaration that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I know that the angels in heaven are, are bowing before you, and today, right now, I bow before you. My soul, my eternal being belongs to you. Well, we get to make that choice. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. And as they come back, I don't know about you. I'm so glad that you're here, and I want you to come and eat lots of food after this because we have lots of it, and um, hamburgers and hot dogs and pretty much everything that you can think of. Because uh, this church knows how to cook. But here we are. Closing out Psalm 103, and he closes it out with this. Everything else in creation is bowing. Everything that is opposed to God will bow. But as for me, I'm making the choice right now to bow my knee to the sovereignty of God. Would you stand with me today? Let me ask you a question. I, I'm, not, I'm not... Well, maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online and, and you haven't given your life to the Lord. Uh, giving your life to the Lord is actually... It's a faith. It's an action of faith. It's, it's believing that God is and that He rewards those that seek Him. And it's simply starting the relationship and saying, Lord, I need you. You don't ever hear me say, just accept Christ as your personal Savior because I don't believe that's in Scripture. What I do see in Scripture is a starting point in an amazing relationship with God that renounces our own ways and bows our knee to His. 
uh, we have a thing in there called repentance. Repentance is, is when we realize that, wow, how we've been trying to chart our lives and how the adversary has been trying to affect us is just not pleasing to God. And I am renouncing those and I am turning and going this direction. And you say, is repentance that easy? Yes, it is. But you know what puts repentance in us? The Bible says it's godly sorrow. It's when we reach that moment in our lives that, that we understand that the way that we have thought and the way that we have lived and the way that we have presented ourselves is not pleasing to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And to be honest, I remember that, that first moment that when I realized that my life was not pleasing to the creator that had all power, I was terrified. And then I was heartbroken. And I said, God, forgive me. And do you know what he did? He forgave me. I remember more times than I can want to recall since I have been walking with the Lord, since I surrendered my life to Him, that I have had these moments where I've realized that an area of my life wasn't under His authority. That's a... That hurts. I'm going to be honest, that hurts when you think you have it all and then you realize that the Lord shines his light in your life and you realize that there's something in your life that's just not mm, where it should be with God and, and, and you have this you have this moment where you get to make a choice to pretend like you don't hear the voice of God and keep going your way and try to justify yourself or you say God I am so sorry and you repent you walk away I will promise you this because it's my favorite verse in scripture Philippians 1 6 that God will never give up on you if you have given your life to God let me back up a minute if you're in church today it's because God has spoken to you you didn't have to come Anytime I see somebody walk into a church, it's because I realize that, that something in them that God is drawing them with each and every one of us. And when God draws us, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, this, uh, this amazing thing that we call the Christian life, you know what it really is? It's about growing to be like Christ. And do you know how we grow to be like Christ? He shows things to us about our lives that we look at and say, oh, and we renounce them, and then he fills us with his love. It's an ongoing process called sanctification. And God loves us so much that he will never give up on us. Philippians 1.6 says you can be confident you can have confidence in this very thing that the one that has begun a good work in you, you know that good work when you said, Lord, I need a Savior, and he, and he is your Lord and Savior, he will not give up until he returns for you. And you say, well, sometimes I feel like giving up. That's okay, he doesn't. He will never give up 
on you because his love is amazing. His love is beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. It is amazing. It's enormous. And, and if we could just capture a glimpse of the love that God has for us, we would be overwhelmed. And he's inviting us today into an amazing relationship with him. I wonder just where we're at as we sing this last song. I wonder if the Lord is speaking to your heart, would you just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here's what's in my heart. Here's what I've been wrestling with. You know what the Lord loves? Honesty. The Lord loves honesty. He loves it when people are so honest that they say, Lord, there, this is in my life and you know that, that I'm struggling with it and you know I want to renounce it, but there's part of me that still wants to do it. Lord, help me in this. God's not going to condemn you. He's not going to turn away from you. When you are honest with him, he will pour his love on you. Father.